0: chapter 14 of against the grain this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by martin Giessen against the grain by joris karl huismans translated by john howard chapter 14 part 2 Notwithstanding the majestic form and the imposing quality of his verse, which struck such a brilliant note that even the hexameters of Hugo seemed pale in comparison, le Comte de Lille could no longer satisfy him. The antiquity so marvellously restored by Flaubert remained cold and immobile in his hands nothing palpitated in his verses which lacked depth and which most often contained no idea nothing moved in those gloomy waste poems whose impassive mythologies ended by finally leaving him cold too after having long delighted in gautier des esseintes reached the point where he no longer cared for him the admiration he felt for this man's incomparable painting had gradually dissolved now he was more astonished than ravished by his descriptions objects impressed themselves upon gautier's perceptive eyes but they went no further they never penetrated deeper into his brain and flesh like a giant mirror This writer constantly limited himself to reflecting surrounding objects with impersonal clearness. Certainly Esseintes still loved the works of these two poets, as he loved rare stones and precious objects, but none of the variations of these perfect instrumentalists could hold him longer, neither being evocative of reverie neither opening for him at least broad roads of escape to beguile the tedium of dragging hours these two books left him unsatisfied and it was the same with hugo the oriental and patriarchal side was too conventional and barren to detain him and his manners at once childish and that of a grandfather exasperated him he had to go to the chanson des rues et des bois to enjoy the perfect acrobatics of his metrics but how gladly after all would he not have exchanged all this tour de force for a new work by baudelaire which might equal the others for he decidedly was almost the only one whose verses under their splendid form contained a healing and nutritive substance in passing from one extreme to the other from form deprived of ideas to ideas deprived of form des esseintes remained no less circumspect and cold The psychological labyrinths of Stendhal, the analytical detours of Duranty, seduced him, but their administrative colourless and arid language, their static prose, fitted best for the wretched industry of the theatre, repelled him. Then their interesting works and their astute analyses applied to brains agitated by passions in which he was no longer interested. He was not at all concerned with general affections or points of view, with associations of common ideas, now that the reserve of his mind was more keenly developed and that he no longer admitted aught but superfine sensations and catholic or sensual torments to enjoy a work which should combine according to his wishes incisive style with penetrating and feline analysis he had to go to the master of induction the profound and strange edgar allan poe for whom since the time when he re-read him his preference had never wavered more than any other perhaps he approached by his intimate affinity des esseintes meditative cast of mind if baudelaire in the hieroglyphics of the soul had deciphered the return of the age of sentiment and ideas poe in the field of morbid psychology had more especially investigated the domain of the soul. Under the emblematic title, The Demon of Perversity, he had been the first in literature to pry into the irresistible, unconscious impulses of the will, which mental pathology now explains more scientifically. He had also been the first to divulge, if not to signal, the impressive influence of fear which acts on the will like an anaesthetic, paralysing sensibility, and like the curare, stupefying the nerves. It was on the problem of the lethargy of the will that Poe had centred his studies, analysing the effects of this moral poison indicating the symptoms of its progress the troubles commencing with anxiety continuing through anguish ending finally in the terror which deadens the will without intelligence succumbing though sorely disturbed death which the dramatists had so much abused He had in some manner changed and made more poignant by introducing an algebraic and superhuman element, but in truth it was less the real agony of the dying person which he described, and more the moral agony of the survivor, haunted at the deathbed by monstrous hallucinations engendered by grief and fatigue with a frightful fascination he dwelt on acts of terror on the snapping of the will coldly reasoning about them little by little making the reader gasp suffocated and panting before these feverish mechanically contrived nightmares convulsed by hereditary neurosis maddened by a moral st vitus's dance poe's creatures lived only through their nerves his women the morellas and ligias possessed an immense erudition they were steeped in the mists of german philosophy and the cabalistic mysteries of the old orient and all had the boyish and inert breasts of angels all were sexless baudelaire and poe these two men who had often been compared because of their common poetic strain and predilection for the examination of mental maladies differed radically in the affective conceptions which held such a large place in their works baudelaire with his iniquitous and debased loves cruel loves which made one think of the reprisals of an inquisition poe with his chaste aerial loves in which the senses played no part where only the mind functioned without corresponding to organs which if they existed remained forever frozen and virgin this cerebral clinic where vivisecting in a stifling atmosphere that spiritual surgeon became as soon as his attention flagged a prey to an imagination which evoked like delicious miasmas somnambulistic and angelic apparitions was to des esseintes a source of unwearying conjecture but now that his nervous disorders were augmented Days came when his readings broke his spirit, and when, hands trembling, body alert, like the desolate usher, he was haunted by an unreasoning fear and a secret terror. Thus he was compelled to moderate his desires, and he rarely touched these fearful elixirs in the same way that he could no longer with impunity visit his red corridor and grow ecstatic at the sight of the gloomy odilon-redon prints and the jan-lauken horrors and yet when he felt inclined to read all literature seemed to him dull after these terrible american imported philtres then he betook himself to villiers de l'isle-adam in whose scattered works he noted seditious observations and spasmodic vibrations, but which no longer gave one, with the exception of his Claire Lenoir, such troubling horror. This Claire Lenoir, which appeared in 1867 in the Revue des Lettres des Arts, opened a series of tales comprised under the title of Histoires moroses where against a background of obscure speculations borrowed from old hegel dislocated creatures stirred docteur tribula Bonomet, solemn and childish a claire Lenoir, farcical and sinister with blue spectacles round and large as frank pieces which covered her almost dead eyes This story centred about a simple adultery, and ended with an inexpressible terror, when Bonhomme, opening Claire's eyelids as she lies in her deathbed, and penetrating them with monstrous plummets, distinctively perceives the reflection of the husband brandishing the lover's decapitated head, while shouting a war-song, like a kanaka based on this more or less just observation that the eyes of certain animals cows for instance preserve even to decomposition like photographic plates the image of the beings and things their eyes behold at the moment they expire this story evidently derived from poe from whom he appropriated the terrifying and elaborate technique this also applied to the intersigne which had later been joined to the comte a collection of indisputable talent in which was found vera which des esseintes considered a little masterpiece here the hallucination was marked with an exquisite tenderness no longer was it the dark mirages of the american author But the fluid, warm, almost celestial vision. It was in an identical genre, the reverse of the Beatrices and Ligiers, those gloomy and dark phantoms engendered by the inexorable nightmare of opium. This story also put in play the operations of the will, but it no longer treated of its defeats and helplessness under the effects of fear on the contrary it studied the exaltations of the will under the impulse of a fixed idea it demonstrated its power which often succeeded in saturating the atmosphere and in imposing its qualities on surrounding objects another book by villiers de l'isle adam isis seemed to him curious in other respects the philosophic medley of Claire Lenoir was evident in this work, which offered an unbelievable jumble of verbal and troubled observations, souvenirs of old melodramas, poniards and rope ladders, all the romanticism which Villiers de lille could never rejuvenate in his Hélène and Morgane forgotten pieces published by an obscure man sieur francisque guillon the heroine of this book marquise tullia fabriana reputed to have assimilated the chaldean science of the women of edgar Allan poe and the diplomatic sagacities of stendhal had the enigmatic countenance of bradamante abused by an antique circe these insoluble mixtures developed a fuliginous vapour across which philosophic and literary influences jostled without being able to be regulated in the author's brain when he wrote the prolegomenae of this work which could not have embraced less than seven volumes but there was another side to villiers temperament it was piercing and acute in an altogether different sense a side of forbidding pleasantry and fierce raillery no longer was it the paradoxical mystifications of poe but a scoffing that had in it the lugubrious and savage comedy which swift possessed a series of sketches les demoiselles de bien l'affichage céleste la machine à gloire and le plus beau dîner du monde betrayed a singularly inventive and keenly bantering mind the whole order of contemporary and utilitarian ideas the whole commercialized baseness of the age were glorified in stories whose poignant irony transported des no other french book had been written in this serious and bitter style at the most a tale by charles Cro, la science de l'amour printed long ago in the revue du monde nouveau could astonish by reason of its chemical whims by its affected humour and by its coldly facetious observations But the pleasure to be extracted from the story was merely relative, since its execution was a dismal failure. The firm, coloured, and often original style of Villiers had disappeared to give way to a mixture scraped on the literary bench of the first-comer. Heavens, heavens, how few books are really worth re-reading! des esseintes gazing at the servant who left the stool on which he had been perched to permit des esseintes to survey his books with a single glance des esseintes nodded his head but two small books remained on the table with a sigh he dismissed the old man and turned over the leaves of a volume bound in onager skin which had been glazed by a hydraulic press and speckled with silver clouds. It was held together by fly-leaves of old silk damask, whose faint patterns held that charm of faded things, celebrated by Mallarmé in an exquisite poem. These pages, numbering nine, had been extracted from copies of the two first Parnassian books it was printed on parchment paper and preceded by this title quelques Vers de mallarme designed in a surprising calligraphy in uncial letters illuminated and relieved with gold as in old manuscripts among the eleven poems brought together in these covers several invited him les fenêtres l'épilogue and azure but one among them all a fragment of the hérodiade held him at certain hours in a spell how often beneath the lamp that threw a low light on the silent chamber had he not felt himself haunted by this hérodiade who in the work of gustave moreau was now plunged in gloom revealing but a dim white statue in a brazier extinguished by stones the darkness concealed the blood the reflections and the golds hid the temple's farther sides drowned the supernumeraries of the crime enshrouded in their dead colours and only sparing the aquarelle whites revealed the woman's jewels and heightened her nudity at such times he was forced to gaze upon her unforgotten outlines and she lived for him her lips articulating those bizarre and delicate lines which mallarmé makes her utter froide par l'ennui dans ton cadre gelé que de fois et pendant les heures désolé des songes et cherchant mes souvenirs qui sont comme des feuilles sous ta glace au trop profond je m'apparus en toi comme une ombre lointaine mais horreur des soirs dans ta sévère fontaine j'ai de mon rêve épars connu la nudité these lines he loved as he loved the works of this poet who in an age of democracy devoted to lucre lived his solitary and literary life sheltered by his disdain from the encompassing stupidity delighting far from society in the surprises of the intellect, in cerebral visions, refining on subtle ideas, grafting Byzantine delicacies upon them, perpetuating them in suggestions lightly connected by an almost imperceptible thread these twisted and precious ideas were bound together with an adhesive and secret language full of phrase contractions ellipses and bold tropes perceiving the remotest analogies with a single term which by an effect of similitude at once gave the form the perfume the colour and the quality he described the object or being to which otherwise he would have been compelled to place numerous and different epithets so as to disengage all their facets and nuances had he simply contented himself with indicating the technical name thus he succeeded in dispensing with the comparison which formed in the reader's mind by analogy as soon as the symbol was understood. Neither was the attention of the reader diverted by the enumeration of the qualities which the juxtaposition of adjectives would have induced. Concentrating upon a single word, he produced, as for a picture, the ensemble, a unique and complete aspect it became a concentrated literature an essential unity a sublimate of art this style was at first employed with restraint in his earlier works but Mallarmé had boldly proclaimed it in a verse on theophile gautier and in l'après-midi du faune an eclogue where the subtleties of sensual joys are described in mysterious and caressing verses suddenly pierced by this wild rending fawn cry alors me je à la ferveur première droit et seul sous un flot antique de lumière Lis et l'un de vous tous pour l'ingénuité that line with the monosyllable li like a sprig evoked the image of something rigid slender and white it rhymed with the substantive ingénuité allegorically expressing by a single term the passion the effervescence the fugitive mood of a virgin fawn amorously distracted by the sight of nymphs in this extraordinary poem surprising and unthought-of images leaped up at the end of each line when the poet described the elations and regrets of the fawn contemplating at the edge of a fen the tufts of reed still preserving in its transitory mould the form made by the naiads who had occupied it then des also experienced insidious delights in touching this diminutive book whose cover of japan vellum as white as curdled milk were held together by two silk bands one of chinese rose the other of black hidden behind the cover the black band rejoined the rose which rested like a touch of modern japanese paint or like a lascivious adjutant against the antique white against the candid carnation tint of the book and enlaced it united its sombre colour with the light colour into a light rosette it insinuated a faint warning of that regret a vague menace of that sadness which succeeds the ended transports and the calmed excitements of the senses, des esseintes placed l'après-midi du faune on the table and examined another little book he had printed, an anthology of prose poems, a tiny chapel placed under the invocation of Baudelaire and opening on the parvis of his poems this anthology comprised a selection of gaspard de la nuit of that fantastic aloysius bertrand who had transferred the behaviour of léonard in prose and with his metallic oxides painted little pictures whose vivid colours sparkle like those of clear enamels to this des esseintes had joined le vox populi of villiers a superb piece of work in a hammered golden style after the manner of le comte de Lille and of flaubert and some selections from that delicate livre de jade whose exotic perfume of ginseng and of tea blends with the odorous freshness of water babbling along the book under moonlight but in this collection had been gathered certain poems resurrected from defunct reviews le démon de l'analogie la pipe le pauvre enfant pâle le spectacle interrompu le phénomène futur and especially plainte d'automne and frisson d'hiver which were malarmé's masterpieces and were also celebrated among the masterpieces of prose poems for they united such a magnificently delicate language that they cradled like a melancholy incantation or a maddening melody thoughts of an irresistible suggestiveness pulsations of the soul of a sensitive person Whose excited nerves vibrate with a keenness which penetrates ravishingly and induces a sadness. Of all the forms of literature, that of the prose poem was the form des esseintes preferred. Handled by an alchemist of genius, it contained in its slender volume the strength of the novel whose analytic developments and descriptive redundancies it suppressed quite often des esseintes had meditated on that disquieting problem to write a novel concentrated in a few phrases which should contain the essence of hundreds of pages always employed to establish the setting, to sketch the characters, and to pile up observations and minute details. Then the chosen words would be so unexchangeable that they would do duty for many others. The adjective placed in such an ingenious and definite fashion that it could not be displaced opening such perspectives that the reader could dream for whole weeks on its sense at once precise and complex could record the present reconstruct the past divine the future of the souls of the characters revealed by the gleams of this unique epithet thus conceived and condensed in a page or two the novel could become a communion of thought between a magical writer and an ideal reader a spiritual collaboration agreed to between ten superior persons scattered throughout the universe a delight offered to the refined and accessible to them alone to des esseintes the prose poem represented the concrete juice of literature the essential oil of art that succulence developed and concentrated into a drop already existed in baudelaire and in those poems of Mallarmé which he read with such deep joy when he had closed his anthology Esseintes told himself that his books, which had ended on this last book, would probably never have anything added to it. In fact, the decadence of a literature, irreparably affected in its organism, enfeebled by old ideas, exhausted by excesses of syntax, sensitive only to the curiosities which make sick persons feverish, and yet intent upon expressing everything in its decline, eager to repair all the omissions of enjoyment, to bequeath the most subtle memories of grief in its deathbed, was incarnate in Mallarmé, in the most perfect, exquisite manner imaginable. Here were the quintessences of Baudelaire and of Poe here were their fine and powerful substances distilled and disengaging new flavours and intoxications it was the agony of the old language which after having become mouldy from age to age ended by dissolving by reaching that deliquescence of the Latin language which expired in the mysterious concepts and the enigmatical expressions of St. Boniface and St. Adhelm. The decomposition of the French language had been effected suddenly. In the Latin language a long transition, a distance of four hundred years existed between the spotted and superb epithet of Claudian and Rutilius and the gamey epithet of the eighth century in the French language. No lapse of time, no succession of ages had taken place. The stained and superb style of the de Goncourt and the gamey style of Verlaine and Mallarme jostled in paris living in the same period epoch and century and des esseintes gazing at one of the folios opened on his chapel desk smiled at the thought that the moment would soon come when an erudite scholar would prepare for the decadence of the french language a glossary similar to that in which the savant du Cange has noted the last murmurings, the last spasms, the last flashes of the Latin language, dying of old age in the cloisters, and sounding its death-rattle. End of chapter 14 Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey